Welcome to the Volley Pod, where we're all about coaching kids volleyball. With drills, skills, and scenarios, we keep things fast, fun, and effective. Presented by the Art of Coaching Volleyball, the Volley Pod is your new source for coaching information. Good morning and welcome to the Volley Pod. How are you today, Todd? Davis, it's an exciting day in Volley Pod history. We have our first guest, so I'm excited. Me too. Our first guest. We're in episode 16 and we're finally bringing in our first guest, but we have a fantastic guest today. It is a friend of both of ours, a wonderful, one of the most humble, excellent coaches. He is the head coach at Villanova University. He's been there for over 15 years. He is an excellent uh coach but an even better human being and we're just really thrilled to have josh steinbach with us today thank you davis i appreciate it glad to have you you, great and the the guest uh plan is that our guests are going to come in with the skill scenario and resource so josh we'll throw it back to you what skill we learn what are we learning here today well we're going to talk about the uh you know the 31 set or the three or the gap or whatever it is you're going to call it um You know, I, uh, you know, I'm a former middle blocker myself, so I like to get the middles involved and set. And, um, you know, we got to find ways to create some space for them and give them some different opportunities. So we want them to run the 31 set away from the center a little bit. Okay, very cool. So talk us through that. What are some, uh, some of the whys? Why do you like the 31 so much? Yeah. Well, I think uh, for us, uh, like I said, we, we generally uh, have felt good about setting our middles. We want to we get them involved. And so... Uh, we want to give them some different opportunities and make the other middles have uh, something more to pay attention to than somebody just coming right at them. And then, uh, you know, it might be that, you know, and over the past four or five, six years, we've had a pretty good opposite. And so okay, spreading out the offense where we can uh, make it harder on that uh, other middle blocker to close to the, to the you know, to our right side is, um, is you know, is a positive for us offensively as well. Mm-hmm. That Very three cool. five split. That's a that's kind of a way volleyball club thing they always do, right? They, they love the the thirty one and then throwing a lot of balls behind yep. and pressure on the middle. Yep, Forza likes to do that. It's tough to defend though. It's you kind of got to pick your poison there. Yeah, and so we you know we've had some success success with it. Uh, you know, like I said, we've had a pretty good opposite here the past few years, but historically we've had you know really um, uh, positive results coming from our middles on it as well. So. Okay. Um, yeah. So the basics for us are yeah. How do you teach it? So when yeah. you start teaching, it, let's say let's say a freshman middle comes in and you're starting to run it, where do you start? Well, um, you know, Todd, I'm a kind of a just do it guy. So the first thing is we just want to see him do it and say, hey, this is where it's going to be and this is how fast we want to go. Um, we have varied the speed over the years based on who we've had. So we've mm-hmm. run it a little faster or a little slower. Okay. Um, you know, just like we run our, our quick attack a little faster and a little slower based on who we've had, but. Okay. Um, so it's not that much different to me from the regular quick attack. We're just, you know, the footwork might be a little different. Uh, some years we've tried to hide it and we've started in the same space. So it's kind of a, a first step to get wide and then really got to open up back to the setter so that, um, so that you've got good, uh, so visual, a little more of a, an inside out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and we, we've, we've done that a little bit and then, you know, some years we don't care if we're hiding it and we just let the kids take two steps out before the ball's set and come straight into the, to the three zone and attack okay. it just like a quick attack would be. Very cool. Where do you want the ball attacked? I mean, are there lines of attack that you're looking for? 
But yeah, so we're, we're trying to really split the gap between the two blockers. And it sort of depends on the team's, you know, blocking systems. But, um, you know, going into that one six seam, kind of, you know, line, what I would call line-ish. <laughs> uh, and then uh, making sure that's that's our favorite shot there. Um, but you'll also find some middles, you know, chasing it and flying across. So going back to the deep, you know, mm-hmm. five, six seam is also, those are the two kind of shots we really want to have. And uh, making sure we're open to the setter gives us the, the, the back to the five, six shot. Yeah, I think when you run it fast, especially, it's tough. You know, liberos like sneaking in a lot of time to pick up all that garbage. And a lot of times on that set, that, that area five is, is wide open. And you get somebody that can just, telescope it deep in the court it's pretty open back there yeah so we're, we're really looking to teach those two shots and then you know and be able to drop it over the middle in, in times of trouble right okay. so if things aren't great can you just drop tip it over the middle and make the right back defend it um oh, and, like that. you know body we, blows we call it when we make the setter dive yeah That's and cool. just you know to create some trouble and so uh you know those are really the shots we just kind of teach on it just a kind of basic three so, one, two, and over the So block. is it relational to the setter or is it spot specific? Yeah, we're pretty spot specific. Okay. So, I mean, I think different people do for different ways. But so for us, spot specific. And if okay. the ball gets past left, then it becomes almost like a regular quick attack just okay. in that three zone. And the spot specific is in the gap. So wherever yeah. that gap is, the middle gets in there That's and right. then the setter finds it. That's right. That's a really cool approach to it. I like that. Yeah. Nice. Now, are you combining that? set with the with the go because now we have those bunch blockers that are sitting in there and let's say the other team's right front is really almost sitting right in the gap where yep. we usually set it mm-hmm. and i know the men are you watch Hard them bunch. and they set it so fast and they said both sets look the same uh and you know the gap go but are you doing that at, you know at my level it doesn't look the same at my <laughs> high school team uh how do you guys do, do you guys are you able to get some uh get your go more isolated when you run it like that? Yeah, once in a while. Um, you know, it doesn't look the same at our level as it does at the men's national team level either. But, um, you know, we don't generally run our middle super fast. So uh, we've gotten a little quicker here the past two years. But um, so if that's a slower set than in, into the middle, then it's really about creating space for the right. But we still will get a right side block. You know, we want to set it and see what the other team does. And then we can go, hey, listen, let's let's run it and set the go over top because we think the the right sider is reacting. And anytime mm-hmm. we can get a right side blocker reacting to something in the middle and having to chase a pretty quick set to the to the go, it's advantageous for us getting our outside hitters hitting against the moving block. Great point. Great point. So what are the, some of the things that you do to teach it? I know you want to get them just going right away, yeah. but then what are some things you look for to make them more efficient? Um, I mean, I, I think the big, you know, obviously at the college level, there's a couple things. We're getting some trained, pretty well-trained kids already. A lot of kids have got pretty good. So, you know, you guys have to, you know, Todd at into the high school level has to do a lot more work on some of those things than I do. I'm fortunate in that case. But um, the biggest thing that we find is that the kids come in and they're, they close off to the, the, their shoulders are facing the net mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. they got to open up to the setter on the three set. And it is um, so really we talk about getting their left foot around uh, uh, so that their shoulders are open up to the setter. You do have some technique. I'm <laughs> impressed. <laughs> I take it all back when we, I said. You know, we have to dabble from time to time. Uh, but so, yeah, that's I mean, that's the biggest thing. You know, That's the biggest piece. And um, yeah. 
you know, when I have to teach the little kids or the younger players, you know, I talk about their left arm and right arm being up as their hitting machine. I don't know if I learned that from you or not, but uh, that's, that's a new one. No, I haven't heard. Okay, that. so that's I cool. like that one, and uh, you know, it's got to be up and available, and so having their their left arm up and their right arm up or their attacking arm up ready to go and showing that to the setter is a um, is a positive. I think I had a like the cue way back when that said that your left hand has to have a sign on it says set and your right hand has to have a sign on it says me and then they show, uh, that, show that to your setter and that's cool i like that very cool awesome so so when we're talking about timing right i know you said you've kind of used multiple different timings um what are we talking about like are are you using steps to generate the timing like uh, the middle steps or yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, mainly to... steps. I mean, so um, we're talking about are they uh, about you know ready to take off on contact is generally somewhere where, where we where we are. So you know both steps on the ground, arms coming up as the ball's being set. But we, we've gone faster and right. we've gone slower. And okay. um, it's a debate my assistant coaches and I have every year on on what we should be doing. We had a a really good middle from uh, from this area. Um, who was undersized and a good jumper and a re really good vision. And, and so we like to slow it down for her because mm -hmm. um, we want to make sure that she had time and space and could look around. And, um, and she was unusual because she hit the roll shot on the, on quick attacks. And, okay. Uh, nice. You know, so, um, but yeah, different, different players can do, you know, different things. So we like to kind of mold what we're doing to who the players are on our team. You mentioned space as far as space thing. Is that an issue or kids, you know, my, I always find that kids just want to run too tight to the net. Is yeah. that something that you're dealing with? 100%. 100%. And so, you know, there's a we, we like to have a setter's lane, you know, which is a space where the setter can move between the hitter and the net if they have to, if the ball's oh, passed okay. far left. And so it's not doesn't have to be a big space, but there's got to be enough room that they can, you know, they can jump. And the setter, if they have to step into it, they're not landing on each other. And I like, uh, I like having a little bit of space. That I mean, almost a body length from the net. I like that concept. I think that's really clean and simple to think about that's really cool um what about like the cross body back to zone one yeah yeah for sure uh i think you know every kid's got a different skill set so uh if we have some kids that like to go across their body um i think that's a, out of the middle i think it's a really good skill yeah. being able to go you know th what thumb up for us that we call it thumb up and thumb down you know if they can go you know thumb up and pull it back to zone one it's uh it can be a really good shot and you, you know the middle back's not going to make be able to react and get over there in the corner dig it and their your setter or right back is not probably not in a great space but i don't mind if they turn and face and, and hit it hard mm -hmm. um you know if they want to go finesse with by, with a cross body or they would just want to bang it by turn and facing i'm okay either way that's cool one more question i have how about uh serve receive prep okay so let's say you're in row two maybe and you know that middle's pinned on the right sideline or yeah. more to the right side of the court will you still get them you just say hey you got to work harder to, to get over to that side or is it way <clears throat> inside out or yeah. how do you do that we'll go a little more inside out generally we're running something different in row two trying to get to the three is not always our favorite option now we've had some athletes that have been able to get over there and, and make it pretty easy so we will um 
but and it depends on what we're trying to do offensively but we'll run something kind of a little more in between which we would call a push the middle will take off with the setter and float away um oh, cool. so um nice. that would be something we run in row two a little bit more often but we, we've gotten to the 31 zone um a little bit it sure depends and if it is it is an inside out approach and so we still want them getting around so they can face the setter um so they can hit both shots otherwise it's a pretty one-dimensional look so if they can't get all the way around you're not going to have them do it essentially yeah or we yeah. go into an audible situation so we do we audible a lot um and we okay. give our middles and, and the the option to figure out what's going on so if if the call is a 31 coming out of the serve receive play and the, and the serve pins them or for whatever ha- you know whatever happens then they need to be available in some other zone all the time no matter what so you know our middles middle availability is a high priority for us uh rather than making sure we stick with what the call was very cool that's i I like it this is a set i haven't used you know i always talk about this davis that i have to do a better job of learning this one we've we've always kind of stayed away from this one and ran stuff either real close fast to the setter or slowing down that we talked about a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. so this is taking me to school i like it well i gotta get i gotta learn about i think it's like you said it's different for different teams and different squads so it's it's really cool so great stuff that's so cool so we're on to the scenario so what's the what's the scenario? Well, I, I think today, um, you know, it's about how, how we build relationships with our players in in today's day and age. I mean, it's there's you know, uh, we're talking about mental health and we're talking about uh, high tension times in, in our country. And so um, it is scary. It's difficult you know, times. When you look at the, the stats and you look at, you know, you know, team suicide numbers, depression numbers with kids. And I mean, I'm an old guy, but I, I still feel like more pressure. Like, hey, I got to do a better job with this. It's absolutely. Times have changed. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think, you know, I've been at Villanova 15 years and collegially coaching for another six before that. So I think there have been a number of times where kids have had issues that we missed and we didn't we didn't catch because we weren't in touch enough and so now you know all these things have come to the forefront so we do a couple little things that i think you know we we just you know at the college level it's very easy to try and connect with kids because we've got more time than you do at the club level or the high school level we can schedule a coffee and yeah i mean what what are those things you do yeah Um, you were telling me one story about your assistant (laughs) that was my favorite yeah so i mean i i started the villanova in in 07 and um uh, I think in my, in my third or fourth year in, I had an assistant came in and he was there, only there for one season. He was a great trainer and drill guy and all this stuff. But, you know, uh, his last day uh, at, at campus, he, you know, sent me a card or sent me a note, something and said, and, and thanked me for, for it and said, hey, one of the things I learned from you is, is that the reps do not, if practice starts at two o'clock, the reps do not need to start at two o'clock and 15 seconds. And, um, <laughs> And, and, he, and he said that because one of the things that I like to do when we come to practice, um, my gym's interesting. We have a stage area, so I would just sit on the stage, edge of the stage, and the players would come over, and I would just say, hey, how are you guys doing? And I might say, hey, Todd, how was, how was class today? And ask some questions about what was going that's on. Cool. Um, and I think that's, that was one of the ways I liked to kind of connect, just be a little time at the beginning of practice. Um, like I said, I was starting to say at the college level, we can do coffee, we can do those kinds of things, but we also just, you know, l- like to make sure we, we do time, uh, together and, and talk about how things are going. One of the things during the pandemic we started to do, and I, I, I called, you know, my coaching friends and, and got this was we do walks around the gym. So they pick a teammate and they just 
they take a walk around the gym before practice starts and tell each other how they're doing. And one, oh, one lap cool. one way and one lap the other way with each of them getting to talk and air their stuff and just letting kids be themselves and vent and, and say what they need to say to either their teammates or to, to the coaching staff, I think is a really big deal. I really like that, that uh, lap around the gym. That's cool. It's active. I, I think that's a really great Simple. idea. Yeah, it's cool. Nice. And then you do coffee now. Are you in your office? Are you going out? I, I know there's some coaches that say, hey, we have to get out, off of my turf, right? Because they, they want to meet. So they, they're not meeting in the office because that can be uh, a little more intimidating maybe rather than going someplace else. But what do you do? Um, yeah, so we do both. Uh, we started doing a lot of off outside the office, but then, uh, you know, uh, I used to just say it was an organic happening. Kids would just come by the office. We have good geography where my office is compared to the gym and athletic training. All these things. That's cool. So we wanted to make our office more, uh, you know, amenable for the kids to come in. So uh, I've got now got an espresso machine in the office. <laughs> so, the uh, you know, we started coffee in the office. So it's like a little space. Nice. And we got, you know, things the kids might like to come in and enjoy the office, right. the couch, and just kind of hang out and talk there too. So wh cool. whatever is going to work, and I'm happy to do, you know, whatever. But we just we want to make sure that, um, you know, the kids know we, we are interested in them and not just interested in the results they produce on the court. And that's a, that's a really important thing for them to know. That's such a good point. And I think one of the big additions that you mentioned earlier is it has to be organic. It has to be genuine. Right. So if you're just checking in just to check in because you're a coach and you got to check in the coaches, I'm sorry, the, the players 100 percent pick up on it. Right. They're smart and they know if you're just saying, hey, how's everything going? How are your grades? Right. And that's it. They pick up on that and they don't want to necessarily open up to you. It just feels really sort of forced. And so having those opportunities where it's a little more casual, you don't have to talk. You can have a coffee. <laughs> just have a coffee. <laughs> And then do you do, as far as assistance, do you guys split up the team or do you have some people, that, some players that you connect with better than your assistants? So you work on that or do you try to work on those you don't connect as well with? Or how, how yeah. do you do that? Well, I, I think a little bit of both. I mean, for a while, um, I think pre-pandemic, like I said, it, things just kind of happened for us. We didn't have to work on it that hard. Um, and then all of a sudden everything was closed down. We weren't allowed to do any of those meetings. We weren't allowed to do, we weren't allowed to do anything, right? And so now... Uh, we found that the kids didn't just come in on their own. So we started setting up schedules. So it was, and we would alternate them with, with coaches every couple of weeks. That's we would cool. have a little schedule. So each assistant would meet with somebody and that's worked pretty well. And so honestly, I'm not sure how we're going to do it this fall, but I know it's something that we need to keep doing. And um, I think it's important for our kids to kind of, kind of know where we're coming from when it's, um, when it's in the gym, because, you know, we do have to give some feedback that's not always welcomed in. We have to say some things they don't always like to hear about volleyball. And they, they, they know, uh, that we generally care about them and are interested in our, where our intentions are outside of that. Then it's a lot easier to hear, uh, you know, Hey, you're not going to start this weekend. Right. Or that like can't that. be your only conversation for them right. when yeah. you're telling them something they don't want. Here. I, I think for high school and, and club coaches, might be a little more challenging given the schedule. I mean, you're on campus, your kids are on campus, you have uh, probably a better opportunity to connect with them in some ways. But being creative, that's why that walk around the gym was good because you yeah. can use that for any team at any level. I always like the idea of using an assistant coach. So if your kids are doing pair stuff, 
that you can put an assistant coach in there to be paired up with a kid. So all of a sudden that kind of ups the energy. If you have a, a really good player, you know, all of a sudden doing that. And then you're having an individual talk with one of the kids and just say, Hey, I'm checking in today on, uh, Hey, tell me what's your most challenging class right now and yeah. what makes it so challenging. And it's just, something where they're coming in and, and talking a little bit about something out of volleyball context and you're able to connect with some kids and from, you know, Hey, I'm in my sixties, they're in their teens. It's my responsibility to work on that connection. That's such a good point. The one I like to add is this think pair share, right? Where if you just throw them out a question, they think about it individually, you pair them up and then you have them share what the other person talked about. Uh, with the group, you know, it's just cool because it really makes them listen. <laughs> a lot of times they just want to talk about themselves, which is great. You want them to talk about themselves, but really that, that interaction I think is really cool. Give me an example. What have, what have you done when you throw a question? Um, I'd say something like, what's one of your proudest moments, you know, okay. something like that. And they would just think about it for a minute and then, you know, partner them up with someone and they share out. And it's, it's just some simple stuff like that where they can really reflect and then be proud, you know, but I'd like to ask one more question, Josh, about uh, about this um, connection piece. And I think it, it you touched on this, you know, mental health, obviously a huge issue right now and very, very important and critical, really. How can you tell if someone is struggling with their mental health? I know you're doing these check ins. It's yeah. kind of a deep question, but. Yeah, and I don't think it's a great answer. I think I think sometimes, you know, kids are really guarded and really good at, at covering those things Masking. up. So sometimes mm -hmm. you don't. Um, so the, the reason that we do all this connectivity work is to create comfort so that players, when they are struggling, are going to be in a better place to, um, ask for some help to let you know that something's going on. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. you know, one of the keys Davis, I think, and, and this is at a, a collegiate level, maybe it's a little different because I'm with these kids for four years and in and out, but I like to make sure I share my vulnerabilities with the team. And when I've got stuff that's hard in my life that's going on, uh, um, I don't I don't hide them from them. I, I come in and say, hey, listen, I want to let you guys know I've got this going on and I'm missing, you know, practice tomorrow for this reason because I've got a, a family health issue or I've got this or mm -hmm. And I think being vulnerable and allowing your players to know what's going on, that we're human and we have, we've got hard things in life and that's important to share. And so that opens the door a little bit as well. So what we're trying to do is not necessarily be able to, I'm not a mental health professional. I right. can't identify right. these things as easily as somebody else, but we're around each other a lot and we travel a lot. And so we pay attention and then we want to create spaces that feel comfortable so that someone can share or a teammate can share and can, we can get people help if they need it. When, when you have that consistency, you can notice outliers as well, right? It's not that you just, oh, you're only talking to them a couple times. And so it's, it's a little sporadic when you're doing it consistently you can say, Oh, this person seems a little bit off today or that for the last month, they've been acting a little odd, something like that. And so I love the idea of just being consistent with it. I'll throw one more thing out there with this. And that is a lot of us on our team, we always have that kind of, player who's the team mom, right? Who's the mm -hmm. player who is in in the middle of that emotional hub? Mm -hmm. And can you check in with that player and say, hey, am I missing anything? Is there a player, That's is a everybody point. on the bus? How, how are we doing coaching wise with getting everybody connected? 
And they a lot tell. of times that player will be way more intuitive than I ever am. So Such a good point. checking in with that player. And a lot of times those players take pride in that role that they have. Of Absolutely. Keeping everybody together. That's a great point. So that's such a cool scenario, and we could probably talk a lot more about it, but we're going on to the videos. The videos. I got to videos, which was good because I needed to learn about the 31 because, you know, my team's never run it. So Josh gave me the idea, and I went hunting on the okay. uh, Art of Coaching website. And uh, the great thing, you know, we've got some topics that, you know, you got to search out, and it's, it's tough to, to find exactly what you're looking for. But this wasn't one of those times. Okay. I found three unbelievable videos okay. on the 31. And the first one is Kerry McDonald. Okay. I don't know if you know Kerry McDonald. He's Team Canada. Okay. He, so okay. he works with both their men's and women's team. And he has he's teaching some young boys about the 31 and spacing and timing. Does a great job. So that's the first one. Okay. The second one is Jim Stone. We've talked about Jim before, mm -hmm. ex-Ohio State coach. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about Jim's is he not only does has a diagram, he's got movable, you know, pieces in a diagram, but then he shows video. Okay. Awesome. And so he has a great one. And then lastly, uh we have jamie morrison okay and jamie morrison is ex-national team assistant and then i think he was the is he head coach of the netherlands women okay mm -hmm. and he's a wonderful teacher and he has uh he has these men hitting it and they're hitting the poop out Destroying of it, it. It's, uh, it's fun it's fun watching okay uh so those are the three uh those will be unlocked on the aoc uh website for you and i hope you enjoy it absolutely so really cool so check those out on the art of coaching and they'll be in the show notes if you want to check those out anyone can uh, check those videos out so that's awesome now we're on to the resource of the week josh what do you have for us today well we um we started uh last year we had the team read um tim galway's the inner game of tennis awesome. and it has quickly become uh you know one of my favorites and i've read it a couple times now and gotten into it and Somehow I had in my coaching career and missed it up until a few years ago. Um, and we're using it really to teach, teach players and, and how, have them think about how they talk to themselves, uh, you know, inside the, the voice in their head. And, and it, uh, mm -hmm. Galway talks about voice one versus voice two inside your head. And it's, uh, it's something I think is really useful because, you know, uh, not everybody's got sports psych on staff. Um, you know, we're fortunate we do, but I think these are things that we should be talking about a lot. Real quick, what is voice one and voice two for people that well, haven't read it? Yeah, voice one is, you know, the kind of the crit critic telling yourself, you know, that, hey, uh, hey, you're not good enough at this and whatever else. And, you know, your voice two has to kind of straighten this stuff out. And uh, so it's this back and forth between, you know, your inner critic and somebody who can give you confidence and, and managing how you talk to yourself. Really cool and super important. Right. So you having your team read it. Is that what you said? So, yeah, last year we had our whole team read it um, coming into preseason. It was our summer read. And, um, you know, and most everybody had good things to say about it. There's a couple things that, you know, are in every book that are like, hey, I don't get this because, um, you, know, you know, one of the things I thought was really interesting is um, Galway says any statement that's judging you know, good or bad uh, about your skills is something you want to steer away from. Even saying, hey, that was good is something we should stay away from. We should just say, hey, that was that was this, you know, so, okay. very, you know, that was what it was. So um, our kids were like, what do you mean? I, I can't tell myself I did something good. And and so they, yeah. there's some things that are interesting in there that are, are hard, some hard concepts, but I, I like them all. And I was a, I'm a big fan. So, yeah, we got through it. Really cool, really cool. Have you ever had any experience with this book? Oh, I, oh I'm a huge, yeah, you know, yeah. I, you know, I'm a huge tennis guy. Oh, so yeah. This is a, uh, yeah, this is a seminal 
text of, <laughs> of, of sport. Yes, you it's know, a great book. Yeah. And it's the funny thing is, is that there are a lot of motor learning now. A lot of what you hear is coming back to and really example. echoing mm-hmm. a lot of what Galway was saying back in the seventies. You know, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, uh, so no, it's 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 great stuff and uh, kind of been reinvented as popularity in the last you know five years or so. So it's it's. Great choice. I'm impressed. Yeah, that's Josh a, comes in with the inner game. That's a great book. Yeah, absolutely. That should be one of the reads that everyone gets a chance to read. And it's applicable to more than sport, right? It's really applicable to life. For sure. It's 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 a, it's a life book disguised as a tennis book. And yeah. I mean, there's, you know, a little bit of Tennessee stuff in there, but not not that much. Oh, I, I need guess. some more tennis. I, you know, <laughs> you love tennis. <laughs> that's cool. Man, We what a great podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. I really I enjoyed him. it. You know, I had to bribe him. I said, hey, come out. You know, you leave Philly. It's a little sticky back there in the summer. Come to Mission Beach. You know, we'll yeah, oh, put yeah. you up for a week. You can hang out. He's all, that sounds great. Yeah. And you got to do the pot. Oh. <laughs> it was an well, easy choice. Well, it was an easy well, choice. We got him in. We got him in. I'm stoked. It's so good to see you. And um, today we got through a bunch of really cool stuff. We talked about why and how to set the 31. We talked about staying connected with your players through difficult times. We talked about the videos that will be unlocked in the show notes. Anyone, please go check that out. And we talked about an amazing resource, the inner game of tennis. So what a great pod. Thanks, you guys. Davis, well done. Way to lead us to the promised land. (laughs) Well, thanks so much. Thank you, gentlemen. Absolutely. And uh, thanks again to The Art of Coaching. And we will see you next week.